So hello and welcome to the New Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Hodgson, and today I'm delighted to be joined by the digital marketing specialist at Local to Global Impact, Ohimai Jekere. How are you doing, Ohimai? Good to see you. Oh, man, I'm doing great, man. It's wonderful to see you too. It's a pleasure. So please give us a little bit of background on the initiative itself and also your background as well. Well, Local to Global Impact really looks to just restore equity and purchasing power to a lot of like African professionals. I met Kalindi on her little travel to um, Nigeria. One time we were at the beach and we just sat down and talked and she heard about my background being an American uh, university graduate, having American new, uh, American work experience and coming back home to my native Nigeria to make a little under a hundred dollars a month. And she said, that is an unholy disaster. And I said, I agree. We should do something about it. And so uh, Kalindi did something about it and she just brought me on board. And so we just source a lot of talent from a lot of places. Right now, she has a bit of a stronghold in Kenya. She's right. probably going to try and recruit some more West Africans within the next few years. And we outsource a lot of labor to a lot of Western corporations. I am in, I am one of the few marketers that she has on the team, but she has a lot of uh, people with backgrounds in actuarial science, finance, so on and so forth. And I mean, it's no secret um, as of right now, just with globalization and digitization, you know, Africans will still take a lower payday than the, our Western counterparts because, yeah. you know, uh, it's, I think it's also a function of economics. Um, even though cities like Nairobi and Lagos, which are just huge cultural hubs for the continent, even though the cost of living is still getting up there, it's yeah. nothing in comparison to a London or a San Francisco or right. shoot, even in Atlanta, which is an emerging power in the world. So we will take a lower payday, uh, but we will strive to give the best quality work possible because, I mean, that's just how African professionals are for the most mm. part. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks for this background. And, you know, just say a little bit about the specific opportunity for Africa and Africans that you're creating through this kind of matching service through this marketplace. Well, for one, for one, it's really just to give people just the equity that they deserve. I mean, I can't pay rent. My parents let me stay in the house at 27 years old because I can pay the Wi-Fi bill. But right. when I was living and working in the U.S., I was able to pay rent. I was able mm. to save money. I was able to build towards the kind of financial future that it is that I'm supposed to have, you know, given yeah. my experience, my age, so on and so forth. So yeah. we just want to address that disparity yeah. that, you know, a lot of African professionals have to face. Mm. I was talking to a to a mentor of mine, basically my high school basketball coach. And he's been in education for 25 plus years. He's done a great job with uh, St. Andrew's School Turi. And he told me that for the first 10 to 12 years of his professional life, he had to live in his parents' house. And mm -hmm. you do see a little bit of that in like the Western world and cities like San Francisco, where the cost of living is just sky high. But really it is that, you know, I don't think that African education is so decrepit and so messed up that, you know, the graduates are not able to play a role in yep. the global economy. You mm. take a look at fintechs like um, 
Flutterwave and Paystack here in Nigeria. Those are Nigerian graduates who made those companies and the valuations yeah. of those companies are into the hundreds of millions and the billions that we have. We have something to say as far as like, you know, the African youth, where mm. we, we still produce intellectuals. We still produce very hardworking yeah. individuals who have a healthy respect for the amount of hard work that it takes to succeed. And I feel that West, if, if Western companies are going to pay better for that those kinds of services i believe that we should you know local to global impact is the bridge that will give more and more african professionals uh access to those kinds of amenities yeah uh, absolutely and you know say a little bit more about the skills and talents uh that are being offered is it very because you know we're talking about sort of african professionals here we're talking about high skilled high value roles that were being offered here as well yeah. So, well, I mean, I'm in digital marketing and everybody talks about the barrier for entry in digital marketing is sort of low. And I would agree. But mm. at the same time, it's also like you get someone like me who is a great writer by many by many accounts, you know, or stronger mm. writer than most yeah. a a African marketing professionals. And I've I've seen my work put next to some copywriters in the U.S., some copywriters in the U.K., so on and so forth. And a great African writer is a great writer by any standard. So mm. I'm so even though you would say that, oh, man, you know, anybody can copyright, not necessarily, <laughs> definitely yeah. not necessarily. And then, you know, a couple my SEO experience and it, my my knowledge of A-B testing and just knowing how it is like how to drive appeal. You know, there's that. And then there's the actuarial scientists, the high level mathematicians. I always noticed when I went to high school in Kenya, St. Andrews Turi, which I've uh, mentioned earlier. Yeah. There were kids from the uh, Kenyan curriculum, the 844 system. And I've also noticed that when I went to school in Nigeria, there were kids from the Nigerian school system. And then there were us kids that went to the British private schools. The African curriculums are so rigorous with their mathematical uh, learning. These kids, these are the kinds of kids that would blow an SAT out of the water mathematically. And then they might struggle with the English writing portion because you know that's just how it is and i and we have to tap into that these kids are the kids that could go toe to toe with the high level american kids or the high level uh, asian kids because that's just you know that's just what our um that's what our education system mm. is kind of emphasized good mathematical uh just being sound mathematically is also finance there and the truth of the matter is yes you can you can be trained in an African university, but there, there are, there's just droves of information on global economic, you know, happenings that any, any just savvy economist anywhere in the world can have access to. So you have this kid with the, you have this kid that goes to uh, an African business school, but they're yeah. just a voracious learner and they just take in all the information from multiple economic publications. And those are the kinds of people that populate our workforce. And so I feel that that makes us very appealing. Absolutely. And how does uh, local to global impact, how do you make money out of this? Is, it, is there like a transaction fee for each person matched or is it the employer who pays it? Or how does the, uh, how does the model work? Tell us a bit more about that. Well, you know, like, like I say, I am but just a humble servant of local to global. I believe that Kalindi will be able to speak more onto that, but they, I think that there probably is a fee that um, yep. that our clients will pay, and shoot, they pay, they pay, 
I mean, they're paying for foreign foreign currency. And yes. so that just makes it more appealing to us. But as far as like the logistics as to how that works, I think you have to get the boss lady in here. I, I don't think I can speak too much into that. Okay, that's fine. No, that, that, that's good. Under, understand that. And, you know, uh, would you be able to say something about how you ensure the quality of the uh, open talent that is uh, accessed via the uh, initiative? Yes. Well, for one, um, we do, we, we have like, we, our screening process, we, we look for certain certifications. So in my, if I were to screen a potential marketing candidate, I'm looking for, I'm looking for your Google certifications. Those are free. Yep. So that's kind of like, are you taking initiative to, 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 to pick the low hanging fruit in terms of digital marketing certifications? Have yep. you gotten your Google analytics? Have you gotten your Google ads? And then if you've now got things from Udemy and Coursera, and now we get into an interview and I can talk to you about some of the, some of the, what's it called? The finer nuances of like SEO or paid search, you know, yeah. that those are the kinds of things that we look for. I think it's, it's more so a thing of us staying on our toes and keeping a pulse on what's going on in each industry right. and, and holding our prospective uh, newcomers to that same standard, because truth be told, you know, we understand that yes, we're, we're, we're Africans, we're known to be hardworking, but we would be remiss to say that there isn't, uh, you know, any kind of white supremacy in just corporate environments worldwide. And so yeah. we have to make sure that we're coming correct. We have to hold our perspective. We have to hold our perspective newcomers to a high standard. And, and it's more so, like I said, us holding ourselves to a new standard and understanding mm. like, oh, this is the new certification or, oh, this is the new algorithm change that's happening. That's going to affect SEO everywhere. I need to know that. And then if I, I'm interviewing with a prospective client and we get to talking about that kind of stuff and they are able to have intelligent conversation with me. I'm, then we think to ourselves, we have a person that might be an asset for us down the road. So, yes. yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, apart from, uh, of course, the obvious one on, on, on costs and price, how can uh, companies and organizations benefit from this uh, in more detail? I think, like like you said, there's a lot of globalization. You mm. cannot have a narrow viewpoint and think that you can tackle the whole world. Um, growing up, I've lived in a number of countries. I've lived in Egypt. I've lived in Kenya, Ghana, the Netherlands, uh, Nigeria. And then after my graduation, I lived and worked in the U.S. for a little while. Yeah. And so just being able to pull from that kind of life experience and being mm. able, I'm telling you, like diverse teams, diverse teams are the reason why you are able to just, for one, you're able to forego a lot of uh, tone deaf mistakes. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of times I've seen advertising copy and I'm just like, man, did they not have a Spaniard in the room? Did they not have a black person in the room to, right. to, to, to speak yeah. up and say like, hey guys, I think like we should, you know, those kinds of things. And also you're able to get insight into um, you're able to get inside into new markets that you know won't go on tap for long. Yeah, West yeah. Africa because of some of the logistical you know mis uh, errors, just like the logistical shortcomings that we face with things like um, you know el electricity supply. Once things like those are remedied, mm. worldwide corporations are going to rush to get a piece of West Africa. And if you are the individual that has been tapping West African talent and ideas for a prolonged period of time or tapping East African ideas and um, 
talent for a long time. You have uh you have a you have a one step lead in the foot race <laughs> to 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 get what what could be an enormous amount of profit. Yeah. I, when I lived in Egypt, I saw so many Western corporations in there. I and like for instance, when I was 10 years old, I'm now the ripe old age of 27, Burger King was in Egypt. Burger King yeah. was in Egypt. And Burger King just got to West Africa. And I said, why on earth was there a 16-year wait to just get some money across the continent? And <laughs> it's those kinds of things. It's like yep. when development pay, when development reaches where it's supposed to reach, the people who have had a global worldview are the people that are going to benefit from it the most. So that's yeah. why we're here. Absolutely. And what is the resistance we're seeing? Because not often what we see here in, in Europe uh, from companies and particularly the HR departments, they're very reluctant to freelancing and open talent and dynamic workforces. They, they've kind of got the old style mindset of uh, nine to five uh, uh, and open-ended contracts. They're not really into accessing the talent, skills and expertise that they need. Uh, have you been seeing similar things? I have I have seen such things, but the truth of the matter is, after a while, I think I think these professionals will have to bend to the will of the masses. And yeah. honest to God, I think that um, in the same way that consumers are becoming more learned about all the products that they buy, it is the same way that prospective employees will become mm. more learned about the kinds of processes and the kinds of benefits that should be afforded to them. You know. Yeah. Um, who doesn't want to who doesn't want to like kiss their kids in the morning you know who wants to who wants to leave 6 30 in the morning to go on a two-hour commute to yes. their workplace four hours on the road and then like and when you and when you when you have that kind of flexibility you don't get to miss your kids soccer games you don't get to mm. miss recitals you know you you get to you get to partake in the lives of those that you care mm. about and also flexibility affords people so many other things besides just time with family you know yep. and yep. truth be told it's like a happy employee a happy employee is an asset you know, I, um, I've worked, I've worked nine to fives and I've been in prolonged intern to contra, uh, intern to higher, um, situations. And in the, <laughs> in the length of time of my internship, I've seen almost a quarter to half of a staff turned over. And I mm. think to myself, like, why is that the case? Yeah. And really, I'm just thinking like flexibility has to be given, uh, benefits have to be given. And, it's just, it's the way, it's either you get right with the movement or you get left while it's moving. And yes. it, there is nothing, there's nothing that you can do to, to make these people unlearn the truths about what it is that they think they deserve. It's either you're providing those things or you're missing out on a lot of quality people. And also, yeah. like I said, I, Sometimes it's down to, oh, man, a bunch of Africans. I'm not sure how to feel about them. I mean, they've got me in here because I'm Western educated. So yeah. maybe that can work to our advantage. But at the same time, I have no reason to believe that a bunch of Nigerian educated digital marketers who are extremely hardworking and who mm. always ask the question of themselves, what can I do to make myself an asset? to any corporation worldwide and then also acts upon that i have no reason to believe that those guys can't do those 
as good a job, if not better a job that I could for any Western corporation. So really yeah. it's, I think like maybe make the the screening processes more sophisticated. Also mm. check for any kind of bias that you have in your um, screening process. Because I, man, I don't know if you've seen it, but on Netflix, we've seen that even like bias is being coded into like facial recognition tools and so on and so forth. Absolutely. And it's kind of like, man, we yeah. have to fight against it. We have to fight against this sort of future that we're creating for ourselves that we thought would all be so rosy and automated and cool mm. and whatnot. But really it's like, man, at every single corner, we have to look and say to ourselves, we have to do everything possible to fully embrace globalization and mm. understand that people who are different from me in terms of how they speak, how they dress, how they look can, yep. can, can provide benefits that would absolutely blow your mind. So that's really what I think it is. And I mean, it's going to be slow for people to embrace that um, in the same way that, you know, we have to change the mindsets of one person at a time. I believe that, you know, if we just keep the faith and keep working and keep uh, delivering quality work and keep addressing, you know, any sort of problem that we see with bravery and just like diplomacy, I think that we will go far. Yeah. Well, couldn't agree more. And I think this sort of need for flexibility and diversity is there. It's not disappearing. It needs to sort of uh, increase as opposed to get less. And I think they're probably just seeing a bit of a, a lag from the old style, uh, the old ways of doing things that uh, we need to allow the processes, the times and the organizations to be able to catch up with the reality uh, and of course, it's in their own interest. They need to harness the power of the uh, the future workforce, and you know, as open as possible to get the skills, talent, and expertise that they require. Absolutely. Yeah, we're we're, we're moving on, and sometimes it can feel a bit slower than it needs to be. But I think that digitalization as well is going to play a really large role in this as now we're you know it's getting rid of the borders it's getting rid of the uh the the the, the physical barriers to be able to uh engage with a global workforce yes indeed yeah we're moving we're moving on we're moving on sort of slowly but surely on that track and you know it's really interesting to hear about sort of the uh, services that you're uh, uh offering but also opening up the world to talent i think that is something that's absolutely crucial and more companies and organizations need to be able to uh, uh, access that and a whole range of jobs and services which should be created on the back of this. So, I mean, really, I just, I just think like, I, I want, I want, like, I want a possibility. I, I don't want Africa to be considered the dark continent anymore i feel right. that that is just an archaic school of thought and kalindi and this vision that she has with local to global impact it really just runs contrary to that and it's an idea that needs to be fought i remember when i lived in the netherlands and we lived in we lived in, we lived in a much smaller house than anything we had lived in in like west africa just because of you know, like I said, uh, cost of living. Yeah. And so the cost of living in Amsterdam, of course, is much higher. And I remember just, you know, listening in on a conversation that my mother was having with like one of the neighbors or just a passerby. And, you know, they ask us where we're from and we say we're Nigerian. And they're like, where's that? And we tell them it's in West Africa. And they ask like, do you guys have houses like this in Nigeria? And she said, yeah, they're bigger. 
<laughs> and it's just and it's it's just that we are we are peers. We want these people with you know these archaic schools of thought in HR positions and stuff to understand that you know right. West Africans, East Africans, North Africans, South Africans, Central Africans were all your peers, and there are and as the world is becoming more digitized, that there's, there's the the shackles we thought were placed on education are being removed, or on education and information are being removed. Everything is almost at your fingertips, or for a very low price, you know you can you can learn at pretty much whatever it is that you will. And now it's more so a thing of like, I play basketball and in basketball, in the same way that there is, you know, a bit of soft bigotry and supremacy in, in, in basketball, it kind of replicates itself in um, what's it called in just corporate spaces, so on and so okay. forth. Basketball is a sport whereby you put your 10,000 hours in and you become a student of the game in the same way that in any corporate craft that you have, you become a student of the game. You immerse yourself in your craft and how deeply you've immersed yourself in your craft and how finely you've honed your skills is your measure of how good a basketball player or how good a corporate asset you are. I yeah. want people to start to understand that and that those same tools, basically all you need is a ball and a hoop in to become a great basketball player. All you need is the right kinds of certification and a lot of time on your hands that you make to become the best version of yourself that you can. Mm. And, and truth be told, you should not be paid less than what it is that you deserve to be paid if you have proven yourself to be a great asset. It's why they give those basketball players the big bucks. If you are a good corporate asset, you should get yourself the big bucks no matter where it is that you are. Absolutely. And so I believe that, you know, we've got internet in Africa. We've got Udemy. We've got Coursera. And we've got all these different uh, sources of information that can tell us if it's not Udemy or Coursera, this is where you need to be. Mm. And, you know, we've got all these different finance apps and so on and so forth that even allow us to take the meager salaries that we earn and save them against the foreign currency and hold on to these things and build up the kind of capital that we need to finance our careers. And mm. so, like, if somebody is willing to show that kind of sacrifice to make themselves better, how are they not the kind of candidate that you want on your workforce? Yeah, that is that is delayed gratification. That is foresight. That is the kind of planning that you need in any kind of corporate setting, you know. Mm. So I believe that our people should not be afraid to invest in Africans. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it'd be great to hear about the journey as things open up and hopefully the fact that uh, uh, more organizations will become aware of the, uh, the, the, the demands, but also the, the needs and ob objective uh, looking at the, uh, the, the talent that's out there. Um, because, you know, there is a global shortage of, uh, uh, of talent and uh, the people involved need to look in the right places to find the skills that they require. Definitely so. And uh, all I can say is that when, when I was applying for remote jobs, mm. it was very daunting because, you know, you could put out 200 applications and never hear anything back. Right. And... And I mean, like that can be daunting for some and it can probably like hamper the ideas of people who really believe in that stuff, so on and so forth. But it really is just about keeping the faith and understanding that, you know, in every corner of the world, there is a place where you can definitely be an asset. And yeah. and I mean, as as Internet penetration just becomes bigger in you know, emerging countries like Nigeria yeah. and Kenya and so on and so forth. 
he will soon have all the tools necessary to work remotely across time zones, across, you know, borders and different cultures, so on and so forth. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, really appreciate your time today and look forward to hearing more about the journey. Thank you so much, Glenn. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time.